I want to share a scripture out of, we're going to uh, jump out of Luke chapter 2. So if you could start to turn your Bibles there, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read that in just a moment. And you know, this season we celebrate Jesus and who he is to us. We celebrate the gift that God's given us in his only, one and only son, Jesus Christ. We thank God for his goodness and for his grace. And this season, as we celebrate Jesus, we do that because we understand that it's God's gift to the world, that Jesus was God's gift to the world. Why? Because we were sinners in need of a savior. We needed redemption. We needed salvation. And because of God's goodness, he gave his son, his one and only son for us. And I want to share a scripture here out of Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 22. We're going to read, and then we're going to pray this morning that the Lord would help us. Amen. Luke 2, 22. The Bible says this. It says, Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents, this is Jesus' parents, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. So get that. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So here was a man of God waiting for the promise of the Messiah, and here it was unfolding before his eyes. Verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, verse 28, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. If you would, bow your heads with me as we pray this morning. Amen. Father, we're so grateful this morning, God, for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you, God, that we are blessed to be able to gather together in your name, Lord. And I pray that you would minister to our hearts this morning, Father. That you would help us to understand that knowing you, God, will cause us to never be the same, Lord. Father God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And Holy Spirit, have your way. Let our ears be open to your word, God. Let our hearts be softened to receive your word with gladness, Father. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. So as we look at this passage, what's so powerful is this man of God, he was, the Bible says, he was eagerly waiting for the coming Messiah, as we read there in verse 25, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He was promised by the Lord that he would not die, that he would not pass away until his eyes behold the Messiah. 
And then in verse 28, we could imagine how his heart was. We could imagine his spirit. It said that he took the child in his arms, the one who the Lord had promised to this world. He took the child in his arms. And in verse 29, he was able to say this with truth. Let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Verse 30, I have seen your salvation. Here was a man who was hopeful of the coming Messiah, who had hoped in Jesus, who was promised Jesus, who had hoped to see this with his very eyes. And towards the end of his life, he was able to behold the beauty of Jesus in his arms. He was hoping and waiting for the promise of the coming Messiah, and he got to see it firsthand. Now, I believe this man, Simeon, he probably had trials and tribulations, struggles and hardships, things that he faced, but he was able to hold on to this hope that he had. And when he was in a place here to behold the promise, he was able to truthfully tell the Lord, Lord, now I can die in peace because the promise that I've been looking for, I'm able to see, see it, and I'm able to hold Jesus in my very arms. See, when we have hope, church, when God's promised us something, we can weather any trial, any situation, any struggle, any hardship. Why? Because we have that hope in God. And it was the same here for this man, Simeon. Despite the trials and the doubts, he still had hope. And as we had just celebrated Christmas, and again, as we celebrate every single day of the year, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and who He is to us. We know Him as believers. As children of God, we know Him. We know who Jesus is. We've experienced Him. He's changed our lives. He's helped us. And because we know Him, the truth is, we will never be the same. And I want to speak a message this morning entitled, Never the Same. My mission this morning is to present an opportunity to those who maybe don't know the Lord this morning, those who are not serving God or following Christ, who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. My mission this morning is that we would look in the Word of God and we would understand who He is and who He desires to be to us. But my mission is also for the believer, for you and I, you may have been serving God for many years in this place. How many know that we can get to know him a little bit more? Can you say amen? A whole lot more. A whole lot more. In Jesus' name, God has done so much in our lives, and, and no matter how many years we've been serving him and we've been reading the word of God, there's always a new closeness that we can experience as the children of God. We haven't arrived. We're not perfect. We still have things that the Lord desires to change in our lives so that we could become more Christ-like. So let's not count ourselves out in this sermon this morning because we can all learn and we could all be closer to Christ. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3.8. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite, listen to this, the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I'll read it one more time. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain Christ. Everything. Compared to Christ, Paul was saying, everything else I could count as worthless. 
Now, someone that doesn't know Christ, they, they can't say that, right? Because this world has so many ambitions, people that don't follow Christ or don't know him. What's important to them? Well, their personal ambition, their, their, uh, their material gain, the amount of money they have, their fame, their glory, all the things of the world, those are important. But for those that truly know Christ, as Paul did, he could say, I count all those things as worthless compared to knowing Christ. Compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, I'll tell you what, church, there's so much more that we can know about Christ. So much more that we can know regarding the hope that we have in Christ, the promises he has for us. And again, you may have been serving God for, for a few years, for many years possibly. But no matter what, there is always, always a new closeness that we can gain and we can experience in Christ because he's infinite. His love is infinite. His glory is infinite. Who he is to us is infinite. And we have to get closer to him each and every day. So when we look at knowing Jesus and who he is, there are so many ways that our lives are impacted because of that truth. And I want to look at a few of them this morning. The first we're going to see here in Luke chapter 2, verse 16 the instance here of the wise men coming to, to see Jesus as he was just born. Luke 2, 16 through 20, the Bible says this. It says, they, they hurried into the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, after seeing him, I want you to note that. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. In verse 17, the Bible says, after seeing him, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. That is the power that transpires when someone experiences Jesus Christ. When someone beholds his glory, when we behold what he has done in our life, there's, there's nothing else that we could do other than to tell people of the great things that he has done. Amen. How he changed our lives, how he gave us hope, how he gave us a future, how he promised us so much. Why? Because we've experienced him. We've experienced him. And this morning, brother and sister, God desires that we would experience him, that we would know him more, that we would be more closer to him. Because the truth is, God already knows us. He created us. He understands who we are, but do we understand who he is? What have you learned about him? In your trials, in your struggles, in your situation. What have you learned? And here in this passage here, we see a divine chain reaction that they encountered Jesus and the very fact that they saw him with their own eyes, they saw him. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. 
They encountered Jesus and they were forever changed. And what was the result? The result was that they told everyone. Church, we have a mission to tell everyone what God's done in our life, to tell them our story, where God's brought us from, where he's bringing, bringing us from. We're a work in progress. I say this all the time. I know it in my own life, that I am a work in progress, that I have not yet arrived, but God is taking me somewhere. God is constantly changing me. He's renewing me. He's delivering me. He's helping me. He's strengthening me. In all ways, God is doing something powerful in my life, and he's doing something powerful in your life. Someone needs to hear about it. Your coworkers, your schoolmates, your friends, your family. And believe me, the closer you get to Christ, they're seeing it. Even without words, they're seeing it. But they need someone to share the good news with them. It says here that the wise men, after seeing him, they told everyone. And why do we do this? One, because the Lord tells us to do it. Secondly, because the world is longing to hear the good news. They may not say it, but we could see it in their lifestyle. You look out in the world and people are searching in this and that. They're searching for, for, for fulfillment. They're searching to be made whole. They're searching for truth. They're searching for love. The truth is that the heart of mankind longs for their Savior. Because he created them too. They are also fearfully and wonderfully made. They long for their Savior, and they need someone to tell them. But what has happened? The enemy has blinded their minds. That's what we see in the world. That's what, that's what goes on. Again, people aren't going to say it. They may not verbalize it. Some may, but most of them, based on their lifestyle and the things that they're chasing after, we could see that they're longing for fulfillment. They're longing for something greater. They search in so many things, and they have to understand, they have to be told that it's found in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, listen to this. The Bible says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, the devil has blinded so many people. He's convinced them. That they can find fulfillment in this thing and that thing. They can find fulfillment in materialism. They can find fulfillment in relationships. They can find fulfillment in so many other things other than Christ. The devil has convinced this world. But it's a lie. And you and I, church, we have the good news. We have the good news of what God's done in our lives. And you have a story. You have a powerful story. It's beautiful. And no one can convince you that God's not for real. Why? Because of what God's done in your life and in your heart. Right? You understand it. You know it. Because of what God's done. He's done something personal in your life and in your spirit, in your heart. Someone needs to hear about it. The world is searching. The Holy Spirit is constantly working in the hearts of people to receive the good news of Christ. He's working on them. By God's grace, he's working on them. In John 16, 8, the Bible says, and when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. See, the Holy Spirit is working. 
That's why it's so important for us to, to continue to pray for our unsafe family, our unsafe friends. Pray for them because the Holy Spirit is working on them. You may not see it, but He's working. As you and I pray for them, as you and I believe for them, as we, as we lift them up before the Lord, the Holy Spirit is working on them. And you and I have the message, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't stop praying for them, we can't stop hoping for them, and we can't stop sharing the good news to them. We need to tell everyone. There's another passage in John chapter 4. The, the entire passage is verse 1 through 42. But we understand this passage where Jesus was, uh, he encountered the woman from Samaria, Samaria. And the story goes on to say that he was there at Jacob's well after a long day of traveling. He was tired and he asked this woman, the Samaritan woman, who traditionally the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. And he asked her for a drink and she, and she told him, well, don't you know I'm a Samaritan woman? I mean, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And then the story goes on to say, and it's in this it's entire passage, but Jesus told her that I am basically saying, I am the living water. He that, that drinks from me will never be thirsty again. And the passage goes on, and he begins to reveal things to her about her life, things that he knew. This is where he told her, go get your husband. She goes, I'm not married. He says, he says you're, white. You've had, you, you're right, you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Jesus was getting down into the details of her life. In verse 26, he says, I'm the Messiah. And this was an encounter that this woman had with Jesus. He spoke to her of who he was. He said there in verse 26, he says, I am the Messiah. And he also dealt with the issues in her life. And do we see here the grace of God? How he brought revelation of who he was, but he wanted to bring change in her life. And this is what the Lord does for you and I. He brings that revelation of how much he loves us, how much he desires to change our lives so that we could be blessed, so that we could live a life and life in abundance. But he wants to deal with the issues of our lives also. Why? Because he understands what's leading us to destruction. He understands the things in our lives that we may allow that hurt us, and he, he desires to, to free us of those things, and that's what he was doing here. How many know the Lord wants us to deal with the issues in our life? Can you say amen? That's what we come to church for, right? Because, again, we're a work in progress. We have things that the Lord needs to change. We continue to come to him. Why? Because we are imperfect, but we desire to be more Christ-like each and every day. And in the same way, he did this here with the Samaritan woman. So what happened? After this experience, as we look in verse 28 in our passage of John chapter 4, John 4, 28, listen to what the Bible says. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So here was an experience she had, and what was her reaction? As with the wise men, she had to go and tell others. Church, that's what happens when God is doing something in our life. 
As a prophet in the Old Testament says, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I have to tell someone. I have to share this good news to someone. And in verse 28, she did that. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. God brought revelation to her life at that moment. In her mind, she was just going about her daily business. She was going to the well to get water. Something as mundane and as simple as going to get water, her life was turned upside down and her life was changed. This morning, perhaps you're here, perhaps you're watching, and you've been searching for Christ. You've been searching for something new. And church may have become something mundane in your life. I think if we're not careful, it can, be, it can become that to all of us if we're not careful. But this woman, something as normal as going to get water, the Lord met her there at the well. And if you're watching this morning and you're going through something, you may have thought that today is just another Sunday service. When the Lord gets involved, it doesn't have to just be another Sunday service. It doesn't have to be just another regular situation. When the Lord gets involved, he could turn things upside down in our lives. He could change the course of history in our lives. He could change everything because of one experience, because of one encounter with the Lord. She went and told everyone. And I mentioned earlier a divine chain reaction as we look down in the scriptures, we look down and jump over to verse 39. The Bible says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the, because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Now, what were her credentials? Did she have this many years of schooling? Did she go to this seminary? Did she, did she spend years and years walking with Jesus? No, she had one encounter. And look at what happened. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because a woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. In verse 40, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Now listen to this in verse 42. This is good. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because what we have heard what we have heard him ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. See, she told him the good news. She explained to them what he did in, in, in her life. He revealed it to, she revealed it to them. Well, what happened? They had to come into their own relationship with Christ, right? They had to hear it for themselves, and that's what happens, church. When you and I share the good news of what God's done in our life, it's going to bring someone to Christ, and then God's going to expose himself to them. God's going to work uh, miracles in their life. God is going to change them, and then they're going to, in turn, tell many others. Why? Because of that encounter and that relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. It's a chain reaction. Little do you know who you're going to school with, who that neighbor is that lives next to you, what God wants to do in their lives. Little do we know the potential that God has for them, but we need to tell them the good news. Thank you, Jesus. We look in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. Again, the entire passage here is about the man of the Gadareans. He was, he was demon-possessed. And Jesus here came on the scene. He came on shore. And this demon-possessed man 
went to Jesus. And, and this is the instance where the Lord cast the, the demons out into the pigs. And what about this man? Mark chapter 5, verse 4. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Think back before Christ. Believer, my brother and sister, you had habits, hang-ups, sins, things that were destroying your life, and you may have tried through different programs and conversations and relationships and situations. Nothing was able to help you out. But, oh, church, when we came to know Jesus Christ, we were redeemed. We were saved. We were set free. We were made brand new. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, we can't separate ourselves too much. You think of a demon-possessed man, you're like, oh, man, I, I, I was never like that person. But, but look at the description. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. So many times, others have tried to help you, but nothing was able to, to, to hold you down, right? When you wanted to be crazy, you would go and be crazy. When you wanted to go and get that thing, nothing would be able to stop you. No force on earth would be able to stop you. Why? Because it was sin driving your life at one time. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So here we see in this passage, the Lord begins to deal with this situation, and he casts out this demon named Legion. And society, the people of this area, they knew who this person was. They knew him as a demon-possessed man. He kept people from that environment, from that area. They didn't want to cross near to him. But what happened, the Lord set him free, and they found him sitting in his right mind, in verse 15 of Mark chapter 5, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. I'm sitting you here, I'm seeing here, uh, you here perfectly clothed, completely sane, right? Here we are, look at yourself. You're dressed up, you look good, you smell good, you're smiling, you're in the presence of God. What a powerful thing, church. Let us never forget where the Lord has brought us from. Let us never forget where the Lord has brought us from. In verse 15 it says, A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Now listen to what happened. In verse 15, Verse 16, and those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And then the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. And Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with them. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Listen to this in verse 20. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Again, what did he have? All he had is what Jesus did in his life. We don't 
learn or know about who he was when he was growing up. We don't learn about uh, his education or, or, or where he came from. All we read about this man is, what that, is that he had an encounter with Jesus, and then he started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and he proclaimed the great things Jesus had done for him. Church, your story is too powerful to keep quiet. Man, think of the prayers that, that God has answered in your life. The changes that he's brought in your life. The hope that he's given you. The purpose that he's given you. This world is living day to day without purpose, without hope. Imagine. Imagine living a life without hope. How dire, how difficult that would be. He encountered Jesus. This morning... Speaking to the believer, but also to the unbeliever this morning. Perhaps you, are, you aren't following Christ. You haven't let him in your heart. You may come to church once in a while. You may have learned about the Lord in Sunday school, but you have not yet learned about who he is personally in your life. He desires to change that today for you. Isaiah 59.1, the Bible says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor his ear too deaf to hear your call. In your heart of hearts, if you've been calling out, God, bring change in my life. God, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I need your help. The Lord hears, hears you, and that's why you're here this morning. That's why you're watching this morning, because the Lord has heard your prayer. Now it's time for you to answer the call. When we encounter Christ, we have to tell everyone. When we encounter Christ, there is also unspeakable joy. In Acts chapter 8, the passage is verse 26 through 40. And here is the passage regarding the man of God, Philip. And the angel of the Lord told him in verse 26, Go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the story goes on to say that as, as he was doing that, he met a, an Ethiopian eunuch. And this eunuch was reading the scriptures. And Philip asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And I'm summarizing this passage. And in verse 31, he says, how can, I, how can I? He's talking about how can I understand unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come into his carriage and sit with him. And then Philip begins to explain the scriptures and, and bring revelation of who Christ is. And in verse 35, it says, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there is some water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 38, he ordered the carriage to stop. We went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, get this miracle, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. But what happened at the end of that passage right there? But he went on his way rejoicing. I don't know about you, but if someone was baptizing me, and then I come up, and he's not there anymore, man, my mind's going to flip for a little while, right? But what happens here? It says he went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he heard the good news of Jesus Christ. He had this miracle transpire right before his eyes, but because he had the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, because he was a promise saver, he went on his way rejoicing. There is joy, church. There is joy, believer. No matter what situation you're going through, what struggle or hardship you're going through, as you and I have the hope of Jesus Christ, there is joy. 
we're able to rejoice. We're able to smile. We're able to get up and face a new day, not, not because it means that everything's perfect and it's, it's going the way that we want it to go. No. We want things to change. We desire things to change. We have things in our lives and situations where we're praying for God to deal with. But no matter what, we're able to have joy. We're able to smile. We're able to share good news of encouragement with someone else. Why? Because we know how powerful God is in our life, and we know that he has a situation under control. Can you say amen? Some of you are in hardships this morning. You're in a place of testing, of trial. Things that you've been praying about. God, change the situation, Lord. Father, bring my loved one back. Heal my loved one, whatever it may be. But no matter what, you have the joy. This goes beyond circumstance. It goes way beyond that. See, that's what happiness is. Happiness is based on, on condition and circumstance. When things are great, when, you know, when there's money in the bank or when everything's A-OK -okay in our lives, then we're happy. You know what that's based on? Happy, that word happiness is based on happening. It's based on situations. But church, you and I, believer, we have joy, joy unspeakable, that no matter what the situation is, whether we're on the mountaintop and th everything's going great or whether we're in the valley low, no matter what, we have hope and we believe that God is going to work it out, that he is moving in our prayers, that he is going to work every situation out. And we understand the promise that all things work out for the good, right? That's a win-win situation for us, church. Everything works out for the good to those that are called. Romans 15, 13, the Bible says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you trust in him. Keep trusting in him. This hope will not disappoint, the Bible says. You will not be disappointed ever trusting in Jesus. You will not be disappointed. Continue to trust in him. 1 Peter 1a, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust in him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That's the joy that we have, church. That's the joy that gets us through. And while we wait for the hope to be fulfilled, while we, while we wait for our loved ones to come into the kingdom of God, while we wait for that healing, while we wait for God to, to, to work that situation out, we will able to have joy no matter what. So those that encounter Christ, they tell others. They have joy. And they listen. They listen to him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we have the passage here talking about Mary and Martha, the sisters that invited Jesus into their home. And Luke 10, 38, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister 
just sits here while I do all the work, right? We hear how sisters might talk to each other, right? We can hear what she's saying. Seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I'm doing all the work. Tell her to come and help me. What's the Lord saying? Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all the details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, what was Mary doing? Mary sat, in verse 39, sat at the Lord's feet. She was listening to him. She was listening. Now, I, I know so many times we could read this passage and we could get on, Mar uh, on Martha's case because she was involved in the details, but let's be real this morning. We can relate to that, right? We get so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. We have responsibilities that we need to take care of. We can't just throw our hands up and, and forget our responsibilities, and, and Martha didn't forget her responsibilities. And let's not forget who invited the Lord into the home. It wasn't Mary. Mary was reaping all the benefits. She was just, Jesus came in. She said, I'm going to hear what he's got to say. But Martha opened up her home, and she invited Jesus in. So she was trying to be a good hostess, as was her responsibility. But Mary, even despite all of that, she chose the better thing. Yes, believer, be responsible with what God's called you to be responsible for. It's a testimony. You glorify God by doing that. But never let it take the place of listening to him, of being quiet for a little bit, of just, of just shutting everything down and say, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. God, I have all these responsibilities to take, but all these things, God, you've entrusted me with, and we have to be good managers. God's entrusted us with so much, heavenly things, things that we're responsible for. We have to be responsible, but never let it take the place of just, just getting there at his feet and just listening to him. Opening our hearts to listen to the still, small voice that wants to minister to our lives. That wants to give you direction in that situation that you're going through. And I know this, this note here is timely because this is a busy season, isn't it? We have to be careful that in all the busy, and, and we're busy. I mean, we, we know how it is, right? If we're real, we're busy. But let, her, let it never take the place of stopping for a moment, putting it on the brakes, and just, just loving Jesus, sitting at his feet, saying, Lord, speak to me. I love you, Lord. Show me. Reveal new things to me. And God will do that in a still, small voice. The Lord will do that. So those that encounter the Lord, as a, our worship team can make their way up, those that encounter the Lord, they tell others they have unspeakable joy, and they listen to him. And lastly, they worship him. They worship him. And as we go back to, to the, the story of the nativity here in Matthew 2, verse 9-11, the Bible says, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Such a beautiful picture here we're seeing. In verse 10, when, the, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. What happens here? It says they bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
See, believer, when we encounter the Lord, we worship Him. There's nothing else that that you can do better than when you encounter the Lord is just worship Him. Just thank Him for His grace, for His mercy, for accepting us, for even having us in His presence. And I think of Simon Peter, the disciple, as, as he was there and he had an encounter with the Lord. And what was his first response was, Lord, I, I must, I have to get out of your presence. I'm a sinful man. See, we see and we know our condition. We know how sinful we could be without Christ. But when we come into his presence, we have to just thank him and worship him because it's his grace that allows us into his presence. The gift of God. Jesus dying for our sins so that we could sit in the presence of God, that we could worship him in spirit and in truth. How is that possible? It's because of Jesus. It's because of the price that he paid for you and I. That's why it's possible. Not because of your accomplishments or my accomplishments or how good of a person you are or the amount of good works that you've done in your life. None of that. None of that compares to the righteousness of Christ. And it's because of his death for you and I that we could come into his presence and that we could worship him. The Bible says that the wise men, they bowed down and they worshiped him. was a response to encountering the Lord. And God desires to do so much in our lives, to reveal so much to us, to redeem us, to save us, to help us, to strengthen us. So this morning as we conclude, we celebrate Jesus this season, yes. We celebrate Him always. And each and every one of us will be blessed as we strive to know him more. And I'll close with this last passage, the first part of James chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. You may say in your life that the Lord feels so far away for you. Take that step. Because every step that you take, the Lord will take a step towards you. You draw near to him. It's a promise here. He'll draw near to you. Thank you, Jesus. Church, if we could bow our heads this morning.